Good morning. That was stupid. It might not be morning. Whatever time of day it is for you. Welcome back to another episode of Middle Class Rockstar. This is episode number five. I remember before I put out the first episode, I was talking to my dad about it, and I said, you know, I think if I put out ten episodes, I'll put out a hundred. But the chances of me getting to ten could be slim. (laughs) Well, we're halfway there, and I'm starting to get into the routine a little bit more. It is a lot of work. Um, I recently started taking an orchestration class along with teaching and performing and all that other stuff. And it, it is an extra responsibility that sometimes is kind of a pain. Uh, shit, I got to edit the podcast together. But I'm having a ton of fun doing it. I always feel super excited when a new episode comes out or when I get to do an interview or talk to somebody. It's really it's really awesome. So halfway to 10, and I'm predicting on the air right now that if I get to 10, I'll get to 100. I'm re- release that. We've also come up with some some pattern or in one of the earlier episodes. I remember saying I wasn't sure how frequently these were going to be released. That's because it's my fantasy, not yours, and I'll decide when they come out. But I think every two weeks I'm shooting to give myself a goal, a homework assignment, a due date, and it's every other Thursday. That's we've been on this routine. We uh, came an hour away from not hitting it last time. We had the Tyler Paul Glasgow track premiere, and uh, I had to edit that into the episode last minute and send it off to Patrick for mastering. But we got it just barely. So here is middle class rock star episode number five. Today I am with Nick Clark. We just got done watching the Rockies beat the Cubs, and so now we are going to be playing the Milwaukee Brewers. We're Colorado people. We're Colorado fans. The Rockies are in the playoffs. It's awesome. I'm stoked. Uh, I also very much dislike the Cubs. Sorry for all the Cubs fans listening, all three of you, but fuck the Cubs, and I'm really glad that their season's over. Okay, back to music. (laughs) I've got Nick Clark on on the podcast. He's one of my best friends. Uh, He's stayed over... Um, my well, it's my roommate's house. Uh, he owns it. He stayed over on the couch probably at least once a week for the last four or five years. We met at a blues jam oh, six years ago, maybe, and we sort of became fast friends. And Nick's Nick's that friend that I can call for for anything music related or otherwise, and he gets it. Whatever it is, he gets it. And we talk about. Uh, all, all things, everything, I guess. And whenever there's a music issue or I've got a show coming up, he's the guy I want to call and, and, and chat with about it. I'm really glad to have him on the podcast. He's done a lot of cool things, and I know lately he's been feeling a little bit stagnant musically, not sure what he wants to do, um, not wanting to necessarily become the image that other people see him becoming. And so he's he's been putting a lot of thought into what he wants to do. He's been exploring different types of music, different songwriters. He's taking some guitar lessons for the first time ever. Um, and it's really cool to see how he's been sort of dealing with that stagnation and, and trying to make positive steps forward for his music career. So without further ado, here is my interview with Mr. Nick Clark. Yeah. 
Here we are. We're recording. Oh, God. <laughs> That's how this, this whole thing's going to go. Nice. Okay. Mm. <laughs> yeah. This is... I knew I'd get you eventually, Nick. Yeah. S- seeing as you sleep on Kevin's couch. For years. Yeah, years. Yeah. Years, and I've rented out a room from Kevin for years. Yeah. Yeah. So. I think I got the better end of that deal as far as, far as like, friendships and money. Rent. <laughs> yeah. <kinda. laughs> yeah, you probably did. He's kind of rotten to me. No, he's not. We're great buddies. Yeah. Kevin. <laughs> What's going on? Nothing much. What's up with you, dude? Well, I'm pretty stoked because the Rockies just beat the Cubs. Dude, that was pretty intense. I'm not sure if I'm more excited that the Rockies are like actually in the postseason, not just in the wild card game, but actually in the postseason, or that the Cubs aren't. And I just assume that all Cubs fans are bad people, and I and I have for years. <laughs> yeah. But I, I know they're not. They're shifty for sure. Yeah, but there's certain teams like the Yankees, the Cubs, the Cardinals, where I just actively hate them and all their fans. <laughs> Well, that well, that was a as a newly converted baseball fan and also Rockies fan, like to see that that was pretty intense. And then, you know, the guy hugging uh, third base, yeah, yeah, I was just like, dude, can you guys be more like at all car at all cost winning, like monsters, you know, human like just bad people bad humans bad humans he garbage distract nolan from getting the double play no he did like successfully did that he even made nolan smile he like nolan liked the hug and i'm blaming that (laughs) on the cubs player yeah i mean i'm not even gonna name any of the cubs players because they're just players to me and their season's over yeah they're 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 other they're enemies right they're inmates yeah um so you've been you're a young guy yeah. Tw- you just turned 23 early. I turned 23 last month, yeah. About a month ago, yeah. yeah. Um, and you've already done quite a lot of things. You kind of came up uh, as a sort of a virtuosic harmonica player. Yeah, no. And then, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I would say so. All right, people say that, but I would disagree. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's normal to hate yourself. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, and you've been, you're a great finger-picking guitar player and singer and songwriter. Yeah. So how did how did it all start for Nick Clark? Uh, as far as picking up instruments and stuff like that, right? Um, I knew I always knew it was an option. My older brother, I'm the baby of three, and my oldest brother Ryan, he was always in a band, you know. So I knew that playing music as a, was an option in the house, and we always had like music playing at home, and uh, I I. Re- it's kind of all happenstance. Like I had like these two, I remember two toy harmonicas um, when I was about 10 or 11 and I just like kept messing with them and I kind of had it in my head like it'd be cool to like learn this thing and then I went out one day and with my mom, uh, my dad and my brother and we went to Barnes and Noble mm. and there was a book on how to play harmonica and it came with a free harmonica. And I was at that age where I was like, I'm out, I'm out at a store. I should get something. So I had my dad get it for me, and it kind of stuck. That's how I started. And this was just a crappy toy. Well, that yeah, and even even the how-to book that came with the harmonica, the the harmonica with it was pretty junky. But yeah, yeah. And and when did you realize, hey, I'm kind of good at this? Uh. 
I don't know. I think uh, it was more of just like a way, an outlet. I was, I always looked at it more as an outlet than like a, like, like, like anything that was like, look at me. But like being kind of like an insecure, quiet kid, once you get good at something, you know, you, you want to do it as much as you can and get out there. So, um, I started playing out live when I was like 12. Wow. So it was pretty, pretty quick, but you know, not necessarily recommended to do that, but I just, I like that more than other things. You're hanging out in blues clubs at blues jams and things like that. I was hanging out at bars. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if you would call them. Who did, who did you look up to at the time in the early years? Um, I keep wanting to like make jokes, but like uh, Ronnie Shellis, uh, who uh, lives in town, he's a great harmonica player, great harmonica instructor. Uh, he had a bunch of stuff on YouTube, along with guys like Jason Ritchie and Adam Gusso. And yeah. out of nowhere, I went to this uh, blues festival, the Greeley Blues Jam, right? To see Little Ed and Magic uh, Magic Slim, and Ronnie Shellis was there teaching and i was like oh my god this guy lives in town like he like lives in the same city as me and so you didn't realize that no because i i knew him through youtube before i knew he really he was a youtube celebrity for you yeah yeah he had this video called funky blues harmonica that was like god this guy rips and i was like this guy's cool and he, he did like lessons on youtube cool and i was like oh this guy lives in town so then i just stalked him as much as i could and he was okay with that yeah he, uh, a couple years later, he said, you know, you're the brother I never you're asked for. And I was like, yeah, I feel that. That's awesome. I didn't I didn't realize he started off as a YouTube celebrity for you. Oh, yeah? And Jason Jason Ritchie, you've been able to meet and jam with and stuff. Oh, yeah, man. I love Jay. It was Actually, it was a Greeley Blues Jam a couple years ago. We played a set together as a duo. Yeah, yeah. And Jason was on the main stage, and yeah. I remember the three of us – eating as many chicken wings as we could yeah, together. Yeah. And he was trying to get you to go on the road with him. Oh, yeah. Remember that? No. Yeah. Yes. That, uh, never got that phone call. He never, yeah. <laughs> he, he asked for my number. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's how, that's how most dates go for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's cool. And Adam Gus 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 Gusso, yeah. Gusso. I've I saw him do a. I actually just, I've only seen him on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. Never seen him live. Yeah, I met him but, a couple times. He's a cool dude. That's awesome. Yeah. So, so it was it was all harmonica for a while, and you did you were getting known in the blues scene around Colorado totally, yeah. and stuff, and yeah, playing yeah. with a lot of people. When did you pick up the guitar? I picked up the guitar. Uh, I got a guitar when I got my first set of harmonicas when I was 12 but um it didn't click as much as the harmonica did in in the beginning right I got better at the harmonica quicker than the guitar and but um I was a a music fan not just like a harmonica fan so like I love guitar playing and I really liked like finger picking you know, blues, like Mississippi John Hurt and stuff like that. So I knew I wanted to do that. And then I was a big fan of Jimmy Reed. So I wanted to learn how to play guitar and harmonica. Rack, this, rack yeah. Harp. Yeah. That was like a big goal of mine. Still is. Well, so who are your, who are your rack harp guys? Well, Jimmy Reed when I was a kid and then 
as far as like straight blues guys, that guy named Paul Osher, who was Muddy Waters' first white band member. Mm. Um, and then Lionel Young, who's a great musician in town. Uh, the year he went with a, his band to the International Blues Challenge, the uh, solo uh, winner was a guy named Ray Bonneville. And Lionel told me to check him out because we were talking about playing guitar and rack harmonica at the same time. And Ray Bonneville is pretty well known already when he won that, right? Totally. In the songwriting community, Yeah, he was for sure. Not in the blues community. No, not, not in the... Uh, I think he won a uh, Juno Award in Canada like in the wow. early 2000s, but yeah, not in America until that, at least in the blues scene. Yeah. And then so when I heard him, I was like, okay, this guy... That's my guy. This guy's sweet. Yeah, Ray Bonneville, man, all yeah. the way. That's awesome. So, what's the coolest? What are what's like some of the coolest gigs you've done? Uh, other than playing with you, um, Aww. Uh, um, when I I don't know when I was eighteen, uh, I met Big Head Todd. Yeah. Through this uh, Carla, who used to own Ziggy's. Yes. That's now closed, but um, through her I met Big Head Todd, and uh, we started playing. He, he kept coming to gigs and jams that I was doing, and he asked me to do Red Rocks with him once. That was cool. You were how old when you got to play Red Rocks? I was 18. You did your first Red Rocks show. Yeah, yeah. 18, <laughs> okay. I did two songs. I did the on, two songs on the encore. That's awesome. So he just brought you out for the encore. Yeah, yeah. Who else was on the bill? They headlined, right? Yeah, Big yeah. Um, this band called Vintage Trouble. Okay. And then the middle was J.J. Gray. Very Elfro. nice. So J.J. Gray opened for you. Yeah, you know what? I mean, I, I could, uh, you know, he also, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I could see it. Yeah. Uh, no, he also used my microphone. When he sat in with Big Head Todd and the Monsters, which used, was cool. Used your harmonic? Was it a, a, a bullet or? No, it was a Paul Putterfield microphone for oh. any of you harp nerds. Okay, there. harp nerds, boom. Mm. Well, and I think I, I hope we'll have some harp nerds listening. Oh yeah, I'll, uh, I'll plug it for sure. Yeah, boost yeah. them that that harp demographic. Yeah, hashtag harp demographic. Yeah, I and but you've become so much more than that now. You're doing, you're a singer songwriter, an artist. Yeah, that's kind of what I uh, I spent the last you know couple of years trying to focus on in on that, and it's not going necessarily where I. It's been a lot of thinking and not necessarily you know a lot of doing. Why? Um, I think I'm I'm more of a talker than a doer, like. Like right now, like when you asked me earlier today to do this podcast, I was like, okay, I got to do this, but I got to make sure that at no point I'm like talking out of my ass. Like I want to make sure that like whatever I say is like, if not, you know, like a fun story, at least like honest and not like just rambling and like pontificating, you know, stuff. Although that, you're a lot more fun when you're talking out your ass. Yeah, I know. That's, <laughs> but uh, I think. I just I just talk more than I do, and I'm trying to get out of that. I'm trying to also like confidence issues. I, I deal with that stuff a lot, you know. And self esteem. I guess is that is that is that a <laughs> deep rooted childhood issue? I guess. I mean, I I grew up heavy set all my life, and not just heavy set as you know, but like 
morbidly obese. <laughs> to quote a friend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, at my high, I was also almost, I was a week away from 400 pounds. Is that the way I, I was 386? Wow. And not stopping until I stopped. And now, you know, I've lost 130 pounds, and that's helped my confidence. But well, when, when did you when did you decide to make that change? About like a year ago, or no, year and a half ago. It's been longer than that, hasn't it? No, like when 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 you and I like were like, let's get our shit together. Like I was, <laughs> I'm gonna lose weight, and you're like, I'm gonna fucking book as much as I can, get where I want to be. Yeah, that was like a year and a half ago, or a, yeah, good things have happened. Yeah, it was it was 2017 was when Trump had been elected president. The whole world was going to shit, and you and I decided to get our to like buckle down and like not be as you know self-deprecating as we can be. Right, right. I was playing in too many corners, and you were eating too many late yeah, well, night yeah, snacks. Well, yeah, whatever. <laughs> whatever it was. Yeah. So that. It's always been there, and I feel like there's when you lose that much weight, and I still, you know, have a ways to go before I feel like I'm happy and reach my goal. But um, being that big and then going through this process, you realize how much like mental stuff. I thought, you know, I was going to lose weight and feel happier about myself, and and in some ways I have, but in other ways I've realized like I'm lacking in a lot of like what I would consider like more. Uh, just basic confidence and like just liking yourself and like having a go-getter attitude about anything. And right. I, I really don't have that. And do do you think you've been playing uh, since you started making these changes? Do you think you've been playing less music or more music, both in a live setting and behind closed doors? Uh, last summer I was I I was working with a guy named AJ Fullerton. Yeah. I produced his record and and played with him a bunch and. So we were playing all the time and I was losing a lot of weight as I was playing, but I wasn't necessarily doing my thing and it felt kind of counterproductive. And now I'm at this crossroads crossroads with both my health, but also with like just other life situations. And I find myself like not playing as much. And, and now I've realized that that's bad and I really want to play as much as I can, whether it's my thing or with other people just to like progress and you know you can't just stop and overanalyze anything which is what I tend to do so you know I'm I've noticed the problem and now I'm trying to like push through it or at least you know right deal with it so let's back up a little bit let's go back to let's go back to Fat kid, high school dropout. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> who is, loves music and becomes sort of a rising star in the Colorado blues scene. To, yeah. <laughs> to where you are now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, let's just. Like, oh, how the mighty have fallen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, totally. Um, yeah, it's, school never really clicked for me. I mean, certain things did. Um, but, you know, I had. You know, in middle school and high school, uh, I had, like, family issues happening, and I didn't really know how to communicate and, like, recognize that there was a problem and address it or at least ask for help, and uh, playing music was my outlet. And, like, you know, when you give a 13-year-old 
an outlet that like makes him feel better and people also like give him props for it and then you also give him 150 bucks a night for it you know he starts to like wonder starts to question the value of the of a thing that like at the time seemed nothing but um exhausting and and anxiety ridden you know going to school and stuff like that dealing with you know people my age did music contribute to your downfall in school or were you just not a school person and music is sort of what gave you passion uh i don't know that's like i think yeah because like it shows that when i found music it it showed that like i'm capable of doing stuff you know like yeah i'm whatever i'm really up for but i think i'm not a school person in a general i do like learning but like i don't necessarily i never really agreed with like i don't know i was just kind of a shit kid you know kind of like i'll do what i want in some aspects and then other aspects i felt very insecure and like uncomfortable in like a school environment Mm. Like, you know, you, you're that big, you, the fat kid, you're, you're the funny kid in school because you you're quicker. You were so, uh, uh, I mean, <laughs> you were so, yeah, I know. I, you. I, 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 yeah, I, I don't want to say it. No, you, you were to put some perspective on it. You were so fat. People wouldn't make fun of you. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. Right. It's like, totally, if you're yeah. a little bit tubby, people would make fat jokes. You were yeah. so fat people wouldn't even be themselves around you right they wouldn't yeah yeah, they yeah, wouldn't, yeah. They it was just, definitely like an elephant in the room thing because right. i i you know later on you like meet people who you're like dude this guy's soul soul of the earth nicest dude ever and then like an average chubby dude walks by and they like give him shit and you're like wow what the fuck like i'm way bigger than that guy and you're not you're not doing that with me right <laughs> right yeah 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 but yeah so uh, i don't know what's going with that but being that big you're insecure music was an outlet um but now i'm trying to rectify all that and get my ged and that's like that life stuff when did you drop out of high school uh i think i was 17 were you close to finishing or had you just fallen pretty far behind i went to a school where it was like work at your own i went high school i never went to like a public school high school um I went to like this private school where it's just like we had smoking breaks and you know sign me up for that school. Yeah, yeah, people were in and out like dealing with it was kind of like a like a last chance school as far as like people that had attendance problems and why did behavior you, problems. And why did you have to go there in the first place? Because it worked it cut a it cut a lot of the what I considered bullshit out of it. I was like there to work and not necessarily you know deal with the jocks and deal with the you did know, your parents the, just see that you were struggling in school as a middle schooler and wanted to do something different for you for high school yeah i mean i was in tr- truancy court pretty much throughout middle school truancy and, court oh for yeah attendance problems like wow i was bad like i missed like weeks and months <laughs> how, how didn't your parents notice and make you go oh they i mean short from like getting you know borderline abusive there's only so much a parent can do they i mean they they did everything they could they made my mom come to each class with me for a whole week to try to like embarrass me and i was like just like i don't i was i'm i'm, I'm trying not to you know be as stubborn as you know a kid 
is, you know, at, but at that time, I, you know, when they did that, I was like, I was almost like, just you wait and see this not work at all. You know? Yeah. I'll was, show you. Yeah, I was a total fucking snot nose. So your your mom your mom or dad would drop you off at school and then you would just not go to class. No, leave. I would like like fight my parents. Not like physically, but I would just be like, No, you cannot do this. You cannot make me get in the car. Like I've had back then I had like in middle school I had like a uh, the cop that like worked at that middle school like come pick me up once or twice. Wow. Yeah. yeah wow. So they would just leave you at home. That's at a certain a, point, yeah, because my dad was supporting the whole family and my mom was supporting the whole family from home. And, you know, you can only do so much. You have to, like, try to balance plates, you know? Right. Yeah, there's a lot of, yeah, there's other kids and stuff. Did your older siblings have the same issue? Totally, except um, my brother, my older brother, Ryan, uh, he's 10 years older than me, so he was kind of in his own world at that point doing his own thing and then nathan had his own problems but he's who's my middle brother but he's also uh somebody that can be like like see the value in what an older person i'm not like that with every like but like he was able to do that i just wanted to say i'm not like that like in the music world i take you know advice wherever i get it but when it was school related i was very much like you know what what do you know shut up right <laughs> stupid adult yeah yeah leave me alone so you kind of gotten into a i guess a bad place but you, you grew up in a good home yeah um you just you just weren't gonna go to school yeah i was really fucking bad man and then uh and so then in high school or after being in and out of truancy court you're in high school at a, a specialty school yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, try, you know a last chance yeah yeah and then that didn't work out when did you make the decision to drop out it kind of just happened naturally those guys uh at that school were really awesome they're to, to this day like i think those dudes really left an impression on me making me realize that like anyone can do it you know all that but at that time i was i was in a band uh I was, in a, I was in a band, but I was in this band <laughs> with uh, my my best buddy Taylor Scott, and we were going to the International Blues Challenge. Another and kind stuff of like magic, that. Was yeah. The band. Taylor Scott, another kind of magic, and we were just like working all the time in Wyoming and in Colorado, and going to Memphis. And devel- and all that. Developing a significant fan base too. Oh yeah, it's weird. Like you'll see, I'll see people sometimes at festivals with our T-shirts. It's weird. Wow. And so and you guys I, were teenagers yeah yeah 14 16 18 years old totally yeah and wow. i just i put all my I, all my like motivation and drive into that and uh, when that band kind of broke up and everyone went to do their own thing <laughs> I, I, it's just like we're talking like the way it sounds like it it's like it's a big deal but it's like like teenagers like two dudes went to college and like, yeah but like it's like but yeah. it was kind of a big deal too. I, yeah at the time because it's like all i knew but it just feels weird talking about it like that but like um when that was done i decided i started playing with other people and it just just if there was no like okay i'm going to drop out of co- uh, you know high school sorry and um focus you know 100 percent I didn't have a goal in mind. I just wanted to play, and people stopped asking me about it. <laughs> you stopped going, they stopped asking. Yeah, yeah. 
But those guys were cool, man. They, I like those dudes a lot. Questar Academy, Mike and, and Jerry Broomfield? Dare. Yeah, Broomfield, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Badass dudes. Nice. Um, so then post dropping out, post high school, if you'd been in high school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, is that when you started playing with uh, uh, Bad Brad and the Fat Cats? Totally, yeah. And through that, we did that for like two years. And that's how I met Todd, was well, playing t- with Todd. Tell us about that band. We were just, you know, a blues band in Denver playing like, well, you know, that was like the most traditional thing I was ever in consistently. You know, Brad was getting into Junior Watson and I wanted, at that point I was looking to uh, play like solo guitar and harmonica, but I, I kind of put it off because of you know, any excuse I could think of and but that band uh, helped me like get all my like traditional little Walter licks out and like so I it was just a blues band that I mean we went to the IBCs in that band international blues competition yeah, yeah yeah made it to the finals again with that band which was cool but you made it to the final with another kind of magic and with Bad Brad yeah like the final three final two no the I think it's a final seven thing at the mm. at the theater in Memphis yeah that makes a lot of sense yeah yeah <laughs> Maybe 10, I'm not sure. And then I met you, I mean, to me, I, in your autobiography. Totally. It, it opens your, with. In, in your biography, <laughs> there's two parts of Nick's life. There's post-Andy Sido, Nick Clark, and yeah, there's pre-Andy, pre-Andy Sido, yeah. Nick Clark. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I met you and you're still playing with Bad Brad. Yeah, yeah. I was in school and living, um in a little house with a bunch of roommates yeah, yeah. off Colorado Boulevard. And I found, I discovered this blues, blues gym at the Continental Room. Yeah, yeah. And I went down there. I just turned 21, like a couple of days before, because I remember uh, going down and ordering a Stella, I think, just because I could. Yeah, yeah. Never had one before, but I was just, I'm 21 now. Yeah, yeah. And you had just turned 17, or were about to turn 17. Yeah, yeah. And we were at the Continental Room, which the Continental Room is no longer there. Yeah, yeah. Mo- Monaco, or <laughs> it's a parking lot now. Totally, yeah. But we we were there, and I remember them sort of pairing us up into bands for the night. And we went up several times, and I got paired up with you and Brad. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think uh, Anthony was... Anthony Russo, yeah. Anthony Russo was in that group. And I, I met a lot of cool people that night. Yeah, I yeah. think Al Chessis was the one who got me to go. Yeah, he was. Uh, it was the Delta Sonics hosting. Delta Sonics hosting. Um, and so we met that night, and I don't. I don't know. I guess we we became fast friends. We, yeah, we. I think uh, Brad was telling me about you, because I guess you guys talked a little bit when I was like in the bathroom or something, and uh, we found out that you were like good you know piano player but we we found out that your main thing was like being a songwriter Mm. and that was like something i was looking for i was looking to like get out of you know playing one four five blues stuff and like just be a little more song conscious and so hearing that from you i was like okay let's hang out that was like we were like let's work on stuff very we wrote a bunch of songs huh that summer like 10 yeah yeah 
We were like going to put a record out and everything. What the hell happened there? Oh, the deal fell through. <laughs> totally. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Capital backed out. Yeah, yeah. Decided to go with the Cash Me Outside. Nick's girl. mom records pulled the funding. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, here we are, sitting in my basement. <laughs> well, so I bring up that that story, one, because it's significant for me because I met one of my bestest buddies. Totally, dude. Um. But also, maybe that was a point for you, too, where you started being confused about what exactly you wanted to do with music. Totally, and yeah. And maybe getting stagnant in some ways. Oh, yeah, totally, yeah. Um, in certain ways, like, I, I feel like I progressed as, as a musician as far as, like, my ideas and my... Um, my concept of what, you know, music could be. It went from, like, just, like, this simple like express yourself stuff that comes from like blues music to like you know crafting and craftsmanship which is like the coolest well, one of the coolest parts of you know making music is like developing stuff right um with like songwriting and stuff like that so you know i started i i think i've learned a lot you know like starting then when i started like slowly being more and more open minded I feel like you and uh, my bass player Curtis Hawkins talk about like old me being very much like my way or the highway. Yes, I agree. <laughs> and then like, you know, so these last couple of years I've been, you know, expanding my, you know, my horizons, but not necessarily knowing like where to go and how to put myself to work. Cause I, kn- I know one thing for, Sure, I do not want to, you know, front up blues band, uh, blues harmonica band, and you know, I don't want to be, you know, the guy that's carrying a torch. I feel like those there are dudes that can do that better than me and have it be more earnest, more real, more genuine. And uh, I just couldn't run a band, especially like just fuck. I don't even want to be like John Popper. I don't want to be anything. Like the guy who sings and plays harmonica, and it's like, yeah, look at me. You don't want to be that guy for anything. Yeah. No, no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, I know. Well, that, that's kind of a scary thought too. When you when people start to view you as that guy, whoever that guy is, you're expected yeah, yeah. to be that guy, even when you're not that guy. <laughs> totally. Yeah, yeah. And like, no one, you know, I want to be clear. No one said uh, you're the next popper, but I think there was a lot of people who had a very specific idea of what I was going to be. Um, like a, like a blues harmonica dude who fronted a band. That's about, you know, like I don't want to name names because it might come across like I'm like dish, you know, throwing dirt on them. No, that makes sense. So when people, when people expect you to be what they want you to be, Totally, yeah. You know, oh, I love that piano playing. Let's hear more piano playing next time or, or whatever. I'm yeah, like, yeah. man, sometimes my songs need a guitar. Yeah. Or, you know, with with you and people, people connect with your harmonica playing, so they, they have a vision for you. Yeah, yeah. And expect you to... Fulfill, yeah. Yeah, fulfill their vision yeah, for yeah. you. And th- that's probably a tricky... Th- well, it is a tricky thing to deal with. Yeah, um, yeah. And it took, it, took, it took a bunch of people constantly saying, who cares, do what you want to do. It, you know, for literally years telling me that until one day I said it to myself and I was like, okay, who cares? And that's, I've, I've only just recently gotten to the point where I'm like, I'm just going to do what I want to do. 
and I'm going to work for it and I'm not going to care if I let people down or if, or, or if they don't come along and see that this is what I'm meant to be. Do- you know what I mean? I just like, I don't care. I just want to get something done. You know? <laughs> right. Right. Well, yeah. and do you see yourself in any particular way now? I'm, I'm this guy. Do you see yourself in any certain way or does it constantly change? I mean, I think it constantly changes f- for everyone, but like, as far as like what I'm, my thing is like, I'm 23 I'm getting my GED, which is like embarrassing when you're 23. You know, you're like, fuck, I'm such a goddamn. Well, you know, why bother at this point? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like, I'm like, and I'm looking. recently I'm, got your license. Yeah, not recently, last year. Last year. Okay. okay. <laughs> well, it's a whole nother issue. It's yeah. nice. You still owe me like a thousand rides. I know. So just, I owe side everyone note. I know thousands <laughs> of rides. He certainly does, ladies and gentlemen. He certainly does. You're listening to Middle Class Rockstar. We're going to get right back to it with Nick Clark. But first, we're going to listen to one of his unreleased originals, The Opener.
you know, I'm getting to the point where it's just like, I'm not going to know exactly who I want to be. I know like there's some people I know that like, it seems like they had a vision when they were fucking 12 and they were like, that's what I'm doing. And that's like, you see them and that's still what they're doing. And they're, you know, I'm not that guy. Um, a, because, you know, I'm constantly doubting myself, but also just because I feel like I, you know, I have growing pains a little more open and obvious more than others. And, um, I feel like right now I'm just getting to the point where I feel like there's something, something I want to be, something I can work for and doesn't seem unrealistic and, I feel like I've only discovered it now and now I'm for from here on out until like something else shows up or another idea or something else, you know, a life event pops up. That's what I'm going to be working for. I, I don't feel, I don't feel like I'm the person I want to be, but I feel like I, I, I have an idea of what to go for now. So try to describe, do you know what you want to go for? Try to describe what that looks like. Like ideally, for Nick Clark in say five years, yeah, what yeah. does that look like? I definitely want to be more of a helper that um, doesn't shy away from an opportunity to play his own songs. Like, um, I definitely want to focus on like you know my guitar playing because I get a lot out of it. But I also want to focus on my harmonica playing and become more than just like a harmonica player with good tone like i want to like know music through my harmonica not just like being able to play the harmonica you know what i mean right that way i can sit in and help people you know whenever they need harmonica and um i want to work on my voice a just to be a better singer but also uh sing harmonies with people like i want to just help and be a part of music i feel like when um when I'm helping music, when I'm being a, you know, a side guy for a lack of, I don't feel like side guy comes with like baggage of like, you know, I do what you're told. And, but just like a helper really is kind of the way I want to describe it. Like I get a lot out of that and I feel like I can participate in the bigger capital M music world as somebody that, you know, helps and not necessarily like the front guy. But that being said, I want to, Cause I get a whole lot out of it. I remember a couple months ago, you asked me to do that songwriter thing at, at, um, Lincoln station. Yeah. Songwriter night. Yeah. Yeah. With, uh, it was Sam, Sam Columna and me. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't like been around an audience just playing my songs in a long time. And so when I did that, I was like, Oh man, this feels really good. You know, there's something that feels like a giant release when I'm, you know, finger picking or whatever, playing guitar, playing harmonica, singing and singing a song that I wrote and, f- you know, feel proud of. When I do that in front of an audience, uh, that's a pretty intense feeling. And and in my head, why can't I do that and also, you know, help out and be a... Because in my head for the longest time, I was like either, you know, piss or get off the pot. And now I'm, you know, I don't necessarily have the drive as like somebody like you or our buddy Taylor Scott, you know, people that go out and get it done, you know, puts, 
you know puts their stuff out and you know does what it takes when you know. something i find interesting about you too is you don't you know we all have that person we picture in the mirror um you know you look in the mirror and you see uh, the next Bruce Springsteen or whatever you yeah. everybody's <laughs> got that vision for themselves yeah you your vision is has ne- as long as i've known you has never been to be a superstar and i i you know i i've even i know we've been in a couple situations or when i was playing at fiddlers the other week with my yeah, band yeah. and you're like i don't ever want to play here yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, j- because you you you're like oh i i want to open for somebody at the gothic you know like yeah yeah you've got you've got a very specific vision for yourself that might be ever changing but i find there's it there's some consistencies that, yeah. yeah i i don't know um i just i definitely know that you know i don't have that hemingway get up and do whatever it takes to get it done. Well, you don't you, for it, me. Like I can do that. I can do that for music, but I can't ne- necessarily do that for me. Well, it, it it seems like you don't see yourself as the superhero of your own movie, but rather as the the guy in the liner notes of everybody's record. That'd be cool. Yeah, yeah that that that's it, that excites me a whole lot. Yeah, you absolutely. Know, you know, hanging with your buddies. Um, plus, all my favorite dudes, man. I have to like fucking pull like if i tell somebody like you know who david dondero is or ray bonneville is or vic chestnut i usually have to like introduce whoever i'm talking to to them like my my dudes are definitely and you know like tell us some of your dudes for for people to look up well yeah ray bonneville who's an amazing guitar harmonica singer songwriter vic chestnut who is like my all-time favorite songwriter and just somebody who just goes out there or went out there and you know there's an interview where he talks about you know he played at Carnegie Hall and Royal Albert Hall and all this all these places and he goes not one not one of those things helped with my confidence and he goes I'm not a fountain of confidence and he's not you can when if you watch videos of him he's very like nervous and but when he's singing a song he lets go and just goes for it and that's so inspiring and his music is like funny and sad and beautiful and I mean like funny and I mean sad and I mean beautiful at all at the same time he's well, a lot so of the amazing. stuff you a lot of the stuff you listen to is not necessarily fun to listen to all the time and I think a lot of people are afraid of that then they're, they're not gonna finish a David Dondero record because I, they don't want to go there. You to- know? No, totally. Uh, I showed uh, a musician friend of mine, Bob Pellegrino, Vic Chestnut, and I was like, I can't believe I get to show him, you know, Vic. And he listened to it because, yeah, man, this stuff is beautiful, but, like, I can't listen to this all the time. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, like, it's not like I'm, like, some edgelord, you know, 13-year-old. It's like, I, I live in the darkness. But, like, I just... I connect with that stuff and I love that stuff and actually like to, to bring it on like to where I want to be and kind of what I'm trying to work for. I've kind of put away, you know, trying to be a songwriter as good as Vic Chestnut or trying to be a songwriter as good as David Dondero because I find myself just being miserable all the time. And I, you know, music, I was talking to Taylor scott about this a a while ago and he goes i was telling him kind of my 
position with all this and he goes like yeah man music is supposed to be joyful noise you know you know be you know you can express yourself but you know be something positive and that's and to me Vic is positive and he's just real he's positive and and not hiding from the ugliness all at the same time but like i i don't have those tools it's not well, it's nice to have some music that doesn't hide from it that's not afraid of whatever emotion because joy can be found in any emotion totally a yeah. lot of the but a, a lot of people are, are afraid to listen to that i just want to listen to songs about throwing the winning touchdown pass and marrying the cheerleader totally yeah. and you know what that's fine good on yeah you. i don't yeah yeah who cares um yeah. but it's it's you branch you really branch out um, deeper than most, and the stuff the stuff you listen to is you know really profound. Yeah, I I really realized when I got into Daniel Johnston mm. at like in my early twenties instead of my early teens, I realized like okay, I gotta change something because like <laughs> like because like in my head like people most people our age find that dude because of Nirvana when they're kids, and it's like oh that's creepy, listen to that, and then they move on. But like I found it like as a like like quote unquote fully formed adult as far as my brain goes, and it really knocked me off my my feet because I was listening to all these field recordings of like churches you know gospel churches in like the sixties and seventies and they believe in God in a in a way that most people don't and because you know they're dealing with oppression and also right you know living in their church is surrounded by their little town. And so it's basically a cult. I'm trying not to get into this, but like also Daniel Johnson, you know, has, you know, manic depression and he's also schizophrenic. So when he talks, when he sings about God and the devil, he believes it in a, in an unhealthy amount. So when he sings, it comes out, you know what I mean? Like, you know, and I'm not at all religious, but like hearing people sing about something they believe in to an un, some would argue unhealthy amount, like really intrigues me, you know, that I think there's a lot of, you know, intense stuff there, but like very human and real. Right. And that interests, interests me, but it definitely, when I got into him, I was like, okay, I need to take a break and kind of realize that I want to be happy. And so that's why I'm trying to, I'm trying to not, I'm trying not to be a rock star. I'm, you know, I'm trying not to be uh, the greatest at songwriting or the greatest harmonica player or anything like that. I'm just trying to be happy and positive and, um, you know, maybe not the biggest, you know, I, if I can just add to it. And not necessarily a splash, like a big splash. I'd be happy as long as I'm doing my thing and it's positive. Because you know, I found I find all my music digging through record stores, you know, or online late at night. That's how I find like all my guys. Right. And if I can be that for somebody, but on a positive side, you want to be somebody's. Daniel Johnston discovered. Absolutely not. But uh, <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like, if I could be somebody's Ray Bonneville, like somebody who, like, you know, not everyone knows, but like, if some dude, you know, fifteen years from now finds my record and is like, uh, yeah, that guy makes music and life seem fun, or at least tolerable and positive and worth it. 
that that's a goal for me while also trying to play with it with as many people and be everybody's friend you know musically so those two things are kind of what i'm working for and you've you've done a lot you've you've produced some records you've played on some records you've played with some really profound people totally you've had a lot of great opportunities that most people don't don't get yeah what's what's the short term here for you you don't you've written tons of songs i've heard you play your songs they're beautiful but there's there's no nick clark cd yet no 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 what's when what's going on with that man yeah (laughs) come on what the fuck (laughs) i'm the fuck (laughs) i'm going to the studio this month for one day i'm going to cut a couple of songs and try to get at least two i have two songs that i feel lyrically like guy clark talks about talked about like yeah, as he got older, it was really hard to say willing to put his name behind a song, and yeah. it made me realize like, okay, I have like, I have like seven songs, but like if I'm thinking in those terms, I have like two, and so I'm gonna try to get right. those two songs out and just put them online because you know, fuck, trying to make money off of pressing, and yeah, all that. I just want to get it out there so a people can get off my back, and also I can like have something to show. And so that's the goal with that. And then just trying to play with as many people as I can and find spots where I can do my thing. Because, you know, I would like to tour, you know, with people and then, you know, hopefully someday doing my own thing. You know, I just want, I realize like I don't want to be a bummer and I don't want to write songs that bum people out. And I also don't want to like, prevent myself from like seeing what music can do for me in a positive way you know absolutely so yeah so if that's rambly sorry but like well maybe maybe for the for this episode too we can get a couple demos or something oh yeah that'd be cool i can yeah i can figure something out throw something together toss me an iphone recording people love that shit yeah yeah. we're indie bro we're super indie yeah we're so indie we're in the basement and is it is it true that my mother might be doing your album art. I don't know, man. I I sent her a couple of like ideas. I wanted her to do like just like heavy, dark, like black metal, like just like gothic drawing, like a drawing of like people. You do you know. have my mom's phone number? Yeah, yeah. I I text her all the time, bro. That's weird. Okay, go on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I had it before you sent it to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but. Yeah, I wanted her to do that, and uh, she texted me like, "I don't know about that." And so now we're kind of in negotiations, you know. I, th- you know what? I think just uh, I want Patty to just like make some like skull bleeding, like heavy, dark stuff, and because I know her, and I'm sure she can. Yeah, it, yeah, and it's uh, <laughs> you know you're tired of her painting puppies. Yeah, and, yeah. And I want I want the want. puppies with like knives. You know, I want I want I want careful. <laughs> I want the image. You know, I want. I want it. I yeah, want yeah. to strike people. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Um, we've got Michael Vick on the show next week. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, well, well, if it works out, great. Yeah. You yeah. know, uh, I'll always uh, vouch for my mother. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and no matter what people say. <laughs> no matter what people say about her. No, she is a great. Uh, yeah. A great so artist. yeah, hopefully I can get that out sometime soon. And yeah. And just play, and play, and play. And become a good musician, and and you've gone through a lot of phases where you've had some residencies and where you've 
been playing a ton with other groups. Yeah, yeah. What are you doing right now? Are you playing anywhere in particular right now? Is there a place around Denver Metro where we can see you on a regular basis? Uh... Who knows? I know in December I'm going to be part of the Taylor Scott Band Holiday Jam. I don't know where that that's going to be. It's definitely going to be in Denver somewhere, and um, that happens like every December, and it's pretty f- freaking fun to you know cut loose and jam with a bunch of. And that was dudes. at your mom's house last year, right? Yeah, it was. That and that is the name of that the is place. the name of the venue. I'm not taking a stab at. My mom. Nick's mom. Like I did with Andy's mom. Right. That would be unfair. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But uh, I don't know. I I like playing. This isn't like localized in Denver, but as you know, the Lariat in uh, Buena Vista is always fun, and I've played there a couple times and can hopefully play more. And I don't know. It's like it's who knows who I'm playing with, and then who knows when I'll book a gig that's like worth promoting, you know? Yeah. Who yeah. knows on all that? I'm, I'm definitely the least like together guest you've you're, had. You're so not, far, which is fine. I kind of wanted you're that. You're not terribly organized in your in your strategy, but you've managed to get yourself to some cool places. Yeah, if I could, nah, I, I was about to say if I can do that and like somehow land in a good position, but now nah, that I've I've noticed that it has more dead ends than like <laughs> than good times. So I'm going to try to be a little more, you know. And that's another thing, like when. In this DIY, like you got, you have to do it yourself, and there's nothing wrong with that. And it actually, like, shows like who really wants it. But like, I want to play music, and also I don't think I am capable of doing anything else. And so, so when people ask you to edit videos and make posters and be a social media guru, you're kind of like, Fuck I'm just like, that. how about I just open the show? How yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> how about you do all that, and I'll just play my 30 minute set. I mean, I'll invite people. I'll do my side of it, but like. When like, I don't want like, this might get into an, like a whole nother thing, and we don't have to. But like, you look at certain aspects of, you know, how you get yourself out there, and like some people, without naming names, and no one that I know personally, like they Nick's get mom, yeah, yeah, they get to where they want to be by like having an image more than like you, you know, I like records more than I like looking like a, a lot musician. of people get mo- well i don't want to know if i want to say most but a lot of people yeah. from an image yeah yeah and i'm i just i i'm learning as i lose weight i'm learning how to like dress where i feel you know like like rock your shit and like flaunt and dress how you want and what makes you feel good and what what you think looks good and i've realized that i like my my hair short with nothing no product in it no jewelry. Yeah, I don't. Piercings. I like hoodies. I like t-shirts. I like purple. Button-up shirts. I like purple. I like jeans, both shorts and pants. And that, but yeah, but I just look like that, a guy. But image. to me, that's my thing. That's your image. And so, like, you know, someone's like, if I wanted to play Red Rocks, I would have to, not necessarily, but like, I, some aspect would have to, like, I'd have to put on like a pork pie hat and. You know, wear a fedora. And yeah, hit hit a kick drum and have a fiddle player. And I'm just not that. I yeah, don't you're not I'd that rather, formula. I, yeah, I'd rather help the guy that's doing that, and you know, kind of stay out in the wings. That's great. Yeah, or you know, the real musicians when they show up. Like if I right. can be invited 
on that to stuff be too. Be one of those real musicians. <laughs> um, well, I'm trying to think. While I've got you here, totally. Yeah. Uh, there's all these. We should do one of these with Sam. With Sam Columna. He's and done just, one. No, like the three of us. We oh, should all do three it, of us. And just do like a like how how do we get so far with just refusing to like ourselves? Cause I think you, me and Sam could have a lot like, how have we not, you know, just given up completely with the awful things we think about <laughs> as far as you want to get into that now. No, no, I would definitely want <laughs> Sam here to help out. You need you a, know? you need a second. Try to help <laughs> yeah. Out. yeah. <laughs> um, well, I'm trying to think while well, I've got you here. Cause I've, I've thought about this conversation several times and before there was a podcast and we've started thought about doing a podcast at one point yeah, yeah. what I would ask you and Aww. and now I'm sitting here in the moment wondering if I asked you everything and if you said anything everything is there anything else that you want to touch on or get into while I've got you here uh I don't know because I really don't want to ramble and I, I feel like I might have given you the most boring you know unlistenable podcasts mm. that you have you know so what far. pretty much everybody has said that after their interview which either means that i'm awful at this or people are just very self-conscious no, about like, hearing I've, themselves i've speak. listened you i've listened to your podcast uh, every episode so far and i like it um i will not be listening to you're this not one. gonna listen to this one totally not okay. i might skim it um just to get all the andy's mom jokes fresh in my head yeah for, but that's about for thanksgiving it. dinner yeah, but I don't know, like, anything else, like, like my opinions on music becomes ranting, talking loud, saying nothing. I just, I think... Well, that's okay, but, and that, that's uh, what I, what I like about doing these, though, is that, that's sort of what, some people turn it off halfway through, that's fine, but yeah, yeah. other people like that, they want to get into, who are you, really, behind, yeah, yeah. behind the music, behind that guy we've seen playing harmonica at the Blues Jam, so I think Totally, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it's okay to do that a little bit. Yeah, I think my, my my biggest thing is like I've I've only now noticed what it means as far as what the current music scene is with the the DIY ethic and the kind of mandatory DIY you know position. You but know, I've always I've done. always envied how much at phases in your life you don't give a shit about that stuff though. You yeah, know? but 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 I feel like it. it um, as far as like, if I want to like pay a fucking light bill with my music, I'm going to have to, going to have to wear the fedora every once in a while. Not, not the, maybe not the fedora, but maybe like, you know, post something on Facebook telling people where I'm playing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We could start with that. <laughs> yeah. let, in fact, let's start with that. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, I think that's a thing. I wish I was, I had more on that subject because that's something I search for in music podcasts is musicians talking about, you know, how to get this done. And, but that we're still, we're all still figuring it out. And, and, uh, and that's okay too. You know, we've heard enough podcasts of people knowing how it's done. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, those guys, those, those are awful. (laughs) That's why I like, uh, your first episode with the Greyhounds. Who's the lead singer? The, the guitar player. They're both well, the lead singers. Well, but. Andrew Troop's the guitar player. Anthony Farrell is the Andrew. Keyboardist. When like he his first thing on the mic is like, don't do it. Yeah, records are, <laughs> record labels are dead. Do it yourself. <laughs> just instantly, just I like that. I mean, yeah. like a guy comes in, it's just like 
yeah, it's all over. Do what you can. <laughs> yeah. 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 Definitely a seasoned vet. Yeah. I love that. I was like, and those guys are fucking so great. Oh, they're a banging band. Yeah. Um, well, I, I think, I think you've had a really intriguing musical journey with all the stuff you've gotten to do. And, uh, I know you and I have a really close relationship too, because we've both, um, kind of gone through things together. Yeah. Yeah. Um, where we're not sure what we're doing and we've had doubts and moments of self-hate and trying to figure out what we're doing and <laughs> yeah. what's next. And, um, you know, we've been able to be there for each other yeah. and kind of, kind of, kind of help through that, you know, be like, totally. oh, it's okay. Yeah. You're fucked, but keep doing it. <laughs> yeah, like, go for just, it. Yeah. <laughs> do it again. It's going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I know for, you know, for me, for one, that's been great. Oh, um, to definitely. have that person that I can always call and bitch about anything or get good advice about anything. I don't know about um, the good advice part, but you I'll, know, I'll, you'll at least try. Yeah. yeah. That's my, I like that. Somebody who's relatable. Somebody who's relatable. Totally. I, I, I appreciate that. And you are one of my closest friends. I, you know, but I will say this, my favorite thing so far in music, like playing, cool shows doing cool trips all that stuff is fun but my favorite thing is like the buddies you know the you know i like seeing my friends kick ass seeing you know andy sito get his shit together seeing my buddy taylor scott get his shit together and like kill it my and and say and being able to say that like not that I helped with that, but I, I was like, oh, I was there when he wrote that song. Or, like, I remember when that dude was fucking working on a lick or whatever it is. Like, mm -hmm. being able to um, work and hang out and help my friends do what they're You're doing. rooting for your friends almost as much as you're rooting, your, rooting for yourself sometimes, you know? Oh, I root for my friends way more yeah, than right, I root yeah, for yeah, me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but that's a that's – I'm trying to figure out if there's a way – that's kind of what I want. I want to find out, is there a way to make a living – being a musical buddy to everyone because that would be all right that, yeah i think people call those gurus no <laughs> like, i want to play you know what i mean but like <laughs> well I, I you know there's that whole aspect of creating a community around your music speaking of diy and wearing the straw hat yeah yeah um, there's something to be said about a lot of bands that break through have a community around their music or a, a culture, a reason for being beyond just the music. And I, I think with some of, some of our close friends, even if other people aren't a part of it, we, <laughs> you know, we have each other and we certainly do have a, totally. Yeah. We certainly do have, have our own culture and our own friends and, yeah, yeah. and, uh, a reason, a reason to be. And I think that's super cool. Oh, it's so sweet. Yeah. <laughs> uh, as far as a, plug can do a plug yeah you can do a plug i've sent enough sentimental shit for the last five minutes yeah, please I mean, do a I plug was, i was definitely getting a little weirded out but yeah uh, i just started working at swallow hill music which yeah. is a music school lesson you know in uh colorado and denver south broadway and yale i teach harmonica and it's a super cool like talking about community those like the coolest thing when i went there for the interview you know, I'd be looking at this picture of Elizabeth Cotton sitting on like this, you know, this stool 
and the guy would walk by, look at me, and just point. And he's like, see that stool right there that you're standing next to? And he's like, that's that stool that she's sitting on. So they've been in Denver for a long time doing a lot of cool stuff. So I'm happy to be a part of that. And if anyone out there that lives in town that wants to learn how to play some harmonica or just hang out and come by swallow the hill. shit. Yeah. Come hang out with me at the hill. Boom. And uh, I'm hoping I'm hoping you'll send me some harmonica clips too along with a song or two so we can we can play out with some of that on the oh, episode. Oh, maybe. I mean, I feel <laughs> it's it's it, it is intimidating seeing how you're like the region's best reggae harmonica player, so it's kind of Yeah, weird. we don't we don't I don't want to like cross that. the streams yeah. on that. So hey, just stay on the beat and we're cool. All right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. Thanks, buddy. Sorry if this was super boring, but I leave that in too because I'm apologizing to them, not you. <laughs> <laughs> Can I turn it off now? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's Nick Clark. A wild ride into the <laughs> into the brain of Nick Clark. We'll have him on again sometime. Uh, always great hanging out with Nick. The music at the very beginning of this episode was some harmonica improv from Nick Clark. And then in the middle, we listened to the opener. And this last song, Nick wants me to call it Bjork for Love, like the pop star, but I believe it's called Born for Love. Uh, they're both unreleased tracks that we're hearing here. This episode is sponsored by PQ Mastering. Patrick at PQ Mastering out of Las Vegas, Nevada puts the finishing touches on this podcast. For any music mastering or audio restoration work, check out his website at www.pqmastering.com. My name's Andy Sido. I hope you liked the episode. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, death threats, email me at middleclassrockstar at gmail.com. Here's Born for Love from Nick Clark. We'll see you next time. Thanks. Cold hands rest on my aching chest, but it makes me feel at home. Freaking out.